Be good. To another episode of the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew, and with my wife Tiffany and our little dog Pele, we're traveling and recording this podcast with love as we travel from California to Alaska down to Tierra del Fuego in Argentina. We have currently completed our journey north and are heading south on our way to Argentina, and we're having an incredible time thanks in large part to the characters the wonderful people that we're getting to meet on the way, including, but not limited to, the gentleman you're going to hear from today, Mr. Gary Toth. Gary reached out to us. He heard us on the Chris Ryan podcast and invited us to, to meet him and hang out at his house and park out front. And in 12 seconds of conversation with the guy, I knew I needed to get him in front of a microphone and ask him a series of increasingly stupid questions. And he was kind enough to give us some great answers I don't even know really how to introduce Gary other than to say I really liked him and I can't wait for you to hear all the many things that he had to share with us. It's coming up right now. First, thank you so much for all of your support, your love, your encouragement, your advice, your reviews on iTunes. Those are great. Thanks for going to the website and reading our journal, mtp.dog forward slash journal. It's amazing that anybody reads it. And it's uh, very cool to hear your feedback. If you're interested in where we've been and where we're going, there's also a route map page on our website where you can just click that and see a whole map of our journey. And you can, from our website, if you decide to, support us. There's a little link to patreon.com on our homepage where you can, for as little as 25 cents per episode, Tell us that you love us with your cash. That's all. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. It was a total blast. Share and enjoy. Until next time. Bye-bye. from Michigan originally originally, Uh, yeah yeah, just north of Detroit or south of Detroit Detroit suburbs mostly a little bit west yeah Detroit how old a guy are you I'm 72 72 so 46 46 yeah yeah very that's a hip time to be alive did you were you drafted did you serve I was in the Air Force Um, I would have been actually I got drafted twice really I got drafted once I was in college and but they i had enough credit hours in college to they they said okay um you can finish this semester but when your semester's done your ass is ours so i knew i had him do something fast because i didn't want to go to vietnam i just did not want to go there Hmm. and uh so i joined the air force on a delayed enlistment program 
So I'm going to go in for four years instead of two years. And I'll show you guys. And right before, the day before I was going to check in, I got my second draft notice. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so so I just made it. So I was in the Air Force for almost four years. Wow. And it, it was amazing. Uh, not it was like an amazing experience. It was amazing. I was able to endure it for four years. <laughs> And I could never do it again. Oh, yeah. Never. Yeah. What? Where did you have to leave country? Were you abroad or where? No, I was. I stayed in the states the whole time. Oh, that's great. I went to Texas for basic training, and then got, went straight to uh, north to Oklahoma. Wow. And I stayed there for about three and a half years. Wow. And for a lot of times, I thought like maybe Vietnam would be better <laughs> than Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was Oklahoma City, and uh, I'd never been around people like that before. Mm. They they just had different priorities. Sure. I don't want to knock Okies because there's some beautiful people oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just have different priorities, right. and they have different ways to do things. Hmm. Like they're, they're, to get on an interstate, it was back then anyway, you had to cross over traffic to get onto the merging lane. Instead of, you know, how like most of them, you just have like a one-way road going one way on one side of the interstate, right. and you just merge to the left. Well, you merge to the left, but you had to dodge oncoming traffic to do it. Holy crap. Oh, yes. Yeah, they still yeah. do that in Texas and different places. Yeah. yeah. And then they would do really dumb things on, on the road. Like, you know, I was at Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City, and there was a highway, an interstate that went by not too far from the base. And if it snowed... You know, we'd pick a spot and just go sit up there and watch, <laughs> watch them bang into each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. What a different war story you have than most. You waited for Okies to crash into one another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Man. What years? But I went they? in 67. Okay. February of 67. And wow. I got out in uh, 1970, December 1970. Whew. And... But it was an early out, so I, I got a yeah. thing to go to college, and they let me out early. Man, what did you study? In, in it was mechanical engineering technology, mm. which has like very little to do with what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Did you yeah. use that in most of your career? What, what was your career, um, mostly before now? Well, actually, I, I worked as a draftsman before I went into service. Mm -hmm. And then after I got out, I went to Western Michigan University, and then I was, it was mechanical engineering technology then. Okay. And I made it into my senior year, and then I got involved with some spiritual things. Uh-huh. You know, it was a classic story. You know, you just drop everything. I'd always wanted to do that my whole entire <laughs> life, just get into a situation where everything was so important. Yeah. and just walk away from it. Mm. So I had this opportunity, and it, it was crazy. I mean, I look back on it now and look at it from my friend's perspective, because they were going, Gary, you've lost your mind. Because <laughs> I met, there was this child guru who would come over. His name was Guru Maharaji. <laughs> And 
and he was the he was like 14 years old at the time and um I heard about him, and this was like, okay, there's a backstory. Okay. I, I should tell you about the backstory. Please. And it's, it's, it's kind of the way spirit works. Because one night in college, I, I, I had a test the next day, and I was supposed to be studying for it. I wanted to do anything except study for this test. And I called all my friends so we could have some real good space out time. The only person who wasn't doing something was this girl who was going to go to this class that was called Silva Mind Control. And she had been telling me about it, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But this was the night for the introductory lecture. And so because I didn't have anything else to do, and I was desperate to not study, <laughs> so I went to the, to the intro class, and I was so captivated by what they had to say. I said, you mean like for one week? I go like Monday through Friday in the evening and then we have this weekend crash course and I'm guaranteed to have this experience that's going to show me that there's something else going on and it's $75. <laughs> it was half price because I was a student. Okay, I can invest this. I can afford $75. So I did. And the class blew me away because I, because I had a real life experience that there's something going on beyond the five senses. And then, so like I was, I was, I had some pot plants growing out by the river. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, out some, you know, secret place. And, and I was like communicating with my pot plants using the Silva mind control techniques. Uh-huh. I check in with them to see if they were happy or not, or, you know, how you do it, you know, and I could see them. Sometimes they'd be dancing uh-huh. in my mind. I could, I could see this, you know, and, uh, and I was working on ways to get high without having to smoke pot. Yeah. And, um, that was like my focus. That was what I was doing. And then um, when I had this, went on this date one night with this girl and we went to some classroom. Somebody was showing Alice in Wonderland. So, well, this sounds pretty cool. We'll get high and go see Alice in Wonderland. And uh, so we did. And this guy got up in the middle of it. It had to change reels. It was back when they had film only. Reel to reel, yeah. And, um, and he starts talking about this boy guru who can give an offer experience that'll get you higher than acid or psilocybin and he had my attention because <laughs> this is what I have been focusing on so I abandoned my date for the second half and he and I talked the, the whole second half of the, of the movie and of course, it pissed my date off. Yeah. Blah blah blah, whatever. <laughs> and then, so that launched me into uh, getting, you know, highly interested in Guru Maharaji. And and I became, I decided to go for it. Hmm. And I became something that I 
abhorred, abhorred, abhorred. Abhorred, yeah. Didn't like it. Yeah. You know? I turned into this, like, Jesus freak. This, you know, one-pointed, I've got the answer. Yeah. Unless you're doing this, you don't know what you're doing. And I turned into that. Yeah. It was just, this was it, man. God had come to the planet, and... And he's he's revealing this this experience to people, and I'm going for it. And, and if and if you don't, you're crazy, you know. Yeah. And 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 I was like that. I you know I actually got initiated into the experience, and then after I got involved with it, I watched him over the next few years, and it worked. There was something really really going on. Mm-hmm. It, it it convinced me totally. This was like beyond silver mind control because they talked about something that would take you, give you experiences beyond your mind. Mm. And I'm like, what? I just spent 75 bucks to learn how to use my mind. Are you talking about there's something beyond my mind? And I couldn't relate to it. I just mm. could not relate to it. And, but it, but still these enthusiastic people and I was, you know, there was something in me that was attracted to it. So I just kept going into it, you know, farther yeah. and farther. And, um, but I watched him over the next 10, 15 years or so disassociate what he was doing from any any kind of belief system or religion that was going on. And he worked hard at it because he would always say that, you know, like if you're, if you're in a religion and you want to receive this knowledge... You keep your religion by all means, because if you don't, you're going to make a religion out of this, and yeah. it ain't got nothing to do with religion. It's got to do with pure experience. Yeah. So, uh, so now this is like almost fifty years later now, and he's got this all cleaned up, and uh, and he wants to be able to relate to as many people as possible. So he's. He got rid of the whole Maharaji thing, and he goes with his birth name right now, which is Prem Rawat, hmm. and and he's a he's a major force in this world for peace, did absolutely major forces. I have as much respect and admiration for this man as I do any living person on wow. planet Earth. So you spent time with him personally, uh, in a, not like like you and I are sitting talking here, but I've had conversations with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was in a crowd of people. Right. And, you know, I had a question and I'd raise my hand and I'd get yeah. called on. And, yeah. and there, there'd be other things, too, that I'd, I'd have a chance to communicate with him. And yeah. every one of them was, like, really, really valuable. A deep connection immediately. One yeah. of those people who connects with everyone in the room when they're speaking publicly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, one of my favorite ones was um, he had this retreat. It was in Aspen, Colorado. And... There was like a, a, a big area where everybody gathered in the morning, and then there were breakout areas. There was like, you know, five or seven breakout areas. So he would go around to each one of them because he wanted to have intimate, you know, more intimate situations. And I was in charge of the sound systems, mm-hmm. setting up all the sound systems. So I got there, I don't know, five days ahead of time or something like that. And by the time it came to be, I was burnt out. Mm. And and I was also running one of the sound systems in the breakout area. So I'm sitting there, and, and he walks into the room, and everybody's really happy and everything. And he gets up to the microphone and says, 
So, how's everybody doing? And everybody, oh, it's great, Raji, it's wonderful. We're so glad to be here. I'm sitting over there going, and something inside me snapped, and I just went, no, 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 I'm waving my arms, no, no. <laughs> and he looks over at me, he says, what's going on? <laughs> I said, um, I can't concentrate, I can't meditate. And it's been going on like that for about 15 years. <laughs> and he said, he looked at me and he says, well, I guess some, like, some people just feel like they have to be tortured. And anybody else said that, I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> but I listened. I listened. I mean, I really paid yeah. attention yeah. to what he was saying. And, uh, and as he walked out of the room, he had to walk right past me, you know, like about two feet from yeah. me. And he got even with, he walks fast. And as soon as he got even with me, he said, happy torture. And boom, he was out of the room. other similar experiences yeah, yeah. with him that are just they're just some of the most valuable experiences I've had <laughs> in my life and it's because I was able to open myself to yeah to, to receive what he was offering did that you know did the concept of you having tortured yourself for 15 years did that change any of your approach or did you make any it alterations just, there uh, a little bit I guess um I was more aware of it, you know, when, yeah. whenever I'd get into you know, certain situations, I'd think, well, am, am, is this self-inflicted? Am I enjoying this? <laughs> yeah, or just, yeah, well, I, I usually know if I'm enjoying it or not, but is it self-inflicted yeah. if I'm not enjoying it, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, you know, there's something really, really deep, deep, deep in me that um, just really frustrated about being on planet Earth. And it just doesn't want to be here. Never, never wanted to be here, but here I am. And, and you're I'm, doing it pretty damn well. Well, yeah, you know, from all outward appearances. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I still have my my depressions. And sure, sure. Things, you know. But you know, like it's when it's good, it's really, really good. Yeah. Well, I, I commented to you last night how much I liked your home and how cool everything was, and I. I said something to the effect that you had it had a good setup and it was great. And you said something that kind of stuck with me. You said, I don't, 
I think it might be even better than I think it is. Yeah. Which is a, yeah. what a gift. You know, that even though you perceive it as being pretty damn good, things might be even better than you're able to to conceive of. That's, yeah. that's pretty nice. So I, I, I applaud you. I'm glad you're here on earth. <laughs> Whatever well, part of you I wishes it. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whichever part of you that isn't, I'm sorry. Some, I guess you want to be tortured too. But so, all right, I want to, before we get, cause I know there's a lot, there's a lot to touch on there, but I, I kind of want to keep painting the picture of, cause my dad was from Michigan and was maybe a year older or would have been a year older than you. And I cannot picture him on a spiritual path. Uh, I can't picture any of his friends, any of his brothers or sisters. <laughs> I just can't picture it, you know, and you guys kind of grew up in the same area, mm-hmm. same era. And, uh, I, it, it intrigues me to see the folks who did take that path versus the people who have not taken that spiritual path. So you, you left university, you finished. I didn't finish. You didn't finish. So you left I, your, I dropped out, left your senior year and moved to Colorado or. Well, um, yeah, for all practical purposes. Yeah. I didn't go to Colorado with the intention of staying there. You just went with a, a girl? Was there a woman? Yeah, there, there was. Uh, it was a friend, just a friend. Mm-hmm. She was a woman. It yeah. was a, a friend, and she needed help driving there because her husband was already there, mm. lived in this little town, Alma, Colorado, supposed to be like the highest town in the continental United States or something like that. So she just needed help driving, mm. and my uh, my semester was up. And I said, sure, let's go. And and I took enough stuff with me just in case that I decided to stick around for a little bit. Yeah. And then I never went back. For 30 years. For 30 years. Good move. Yeah. yeah. Good move. Yeah. It worked out really well. Did you stay in that town the whole time or you moved around? Oh, I stayed in Alma for about a month, mm-hmm. which was like kind of a trip in itself because I went from basically sea level to living. Mile plus. I kind of, it was like 10,000 feet, something like that. And um, so I was, you know, totally enthralled with the Colorado High. Yeah. You know, the John Denver song. Yeah. I think that's Rocky God, Mountain. am I ever going to have fun? So like going to 10,000 feet and smoking dope. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. But <laughs> getting headaches. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. All right, so you you moved around Colorado and made a life – at, in that community. You yeah, kind of really that's like I consider a, Colorado my home. Yeah. Now. Yeah, you've only been out here for, what, 10 years? 12 years. 12 years, yeah. Yeah. And out here, by the way, is Alaska. We're yeah. in Fairbanks, Fairbanks, Alaska. North of the North Pole. Yep. South of the Arctic Circle. Surrounded mm-hmm. by birch trees, and you're currently raising four Doberman puppies. Puppies. <laughs> My wife's dream to have yeah. Doberman puppies. You got a, a a Doberman and a retired sled dog, yep. and a wife and a home and a job. Yeah, and great this, job. Yeah, you got a really good job. job. So let me ask you about that. So you said you did sound for a lot of these gatherings at the uh, at the spiritual yeah. center. Right. And that's what you do now. You kind of do sound and light and production, right, for the University of Alaska. Oh, or? Alaska, yeah, yeah. Univ- University of Alaska Fairbanks, University, of which is the main campus okay and that did you pick that up in the spiritual community or did you have a background yeah i as a matter of fact that was one of the great lessons of uh, surrender Mm -hmm. in my life because uh when i lived in denver that was like world headquarters that is where marazzi lived and i want to call him premier from now on 
but Kermarawat, he lived in Denver. It was his world headquarters, so there was this big organizational thing that was going on yeah. at the time, which is, I want to tell you another side story about that, which I, just, I thought was hilarious when it was going on. But I wanted to do service. Okay. And service, like in those days, meant anything that helped spread the word. Yeah. You know. So uh, so I'd call the, the service pool. So, well, what do you got that I can do? Well, you can come wash dishes or you can scrub the floor. I'm, no, I don't want to do that. And then, then I called a few days later. Well, you can you know pick up broken glass. <laughs> they, they would give me all these like really crappy things to do, and I just kept saying I didn't want to do this. And then something triggered me. I said, hey, th- "This is not That's, the right spirit yeah. for doing service." So I said, yeah. "Screw it, man! I'm going to call them. Whatever they say they got, I'm going to go do it." Yeah. And so. They called me again, and it was some shit job. And I said, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. I lived across the street from one of the main sound guys who was in charge of setting up sound systems. And and one day he he said, Gary, I heard you were looking for something to do. Well, we need somebody down to uh, make tapes, make cassette tapes of Premarawat's talks Hmm. because, you know, they sell them and, you know, people want to hear them. And... And I loved sound equipment. Yeah. Already, that was just a hobby for me at that yeah. time. So I said, sure, I'll, that's yeah, that's great. But but I've already, George, I've already told these people, don't worry about it, I'll, you know, it'll be fine. You just come and do this stuff. So I was doing that happily. Yeah. And and then one day, George sticks his, this was like within a couple of weeks, George sticks his head in the room where I was doing these tape things. He says, uh, Gary, what night do you want to do sound for Satsan? He didn't ask me if I... If I wanted to, he asked me what, what night? night I wanted to. Uh, I said, uh, uh, what are my choices? And he said, da, da, da. I said, okay, I'll take that one. But George, I don't know anything about it. He said, don't worry, Jeff will show you all the ropes. Wow. So that's, I got started with being a sound guy from my initial surrender. Surrender to service. Yeah. What is satsang? Satsang is... It literally translated means to be in the company of truth. Okay. So like when Jesus said, when two or more gathered in my name, the same thing. Same thing. It's it's an energy that happens when people are uh, in the same place and they're talking about their real experiences with life. In another tradition, it would be called a mass. It's like a gathering of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could, you loosely. Right, it's loosely, not worship. Yeah. It's not like you're picking a deity and telling it you love it. You're just in a room talking with yeah, like-minded people. Communicating. Yeah. Communicating. Do you still do that? Do you have any yeah, well, access to that? This is it right now. We're doing it? Yeah. Sweet. I mean, from, from my book, we are. Yeah. You know. I'll try to keep it clean. Okay. <laughs> that, that's not the point. The kidding. point is being is like is like coming from your heart. Yeah. Well, and, then it's definitely you, not going to be clean. Then you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually you're, you're talking about the goodness of life. Yeah. You yeah. know. What? Yeah. You can be coming from your heart, and I guess I mean, not so many great things could come out. But sure, if you're sure. coming from your your real point. Yeah. It's but it's, you're usually like singing the glories of being alive. Generally, yeah. Generally, yeah. <laughs> and unless I'm that guy in the crowd waving, no, 
Yeah. No. <laughs> Enough with this airy fairy good times bullshit where sometimes you have a bad day. I love that. That's yeah. that to me. I'm, I'm sure he probably appreciated that. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Because I'd heard from other people that somehow he got touched by that. And I'd, I'd had uh, future experiences with him that he remembered me from that. From that moment. From that moment. That's great. And um, it, I couldn't help but think that, you know, I have some kind of special connection with him now because of yeah. when I just. You express reality and doubt. Reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That to me, I think. I mean, anytime you hear somebody being really honest, that's great. But particularly when you're surrounded by, you know, in a situation like that, a, you know, a, a child guru, someone that people worshipped enough to where he said, look, this is not a religion. <laughs> Keep whatever religion you have, just leave it off of me. People can kiss that guy's ass. You know what I mean? People yeah. can kind of glad hand him and kiss his ass and make him feel like everything he touches turns to gold. And for mm-hmm. you to stand up and say, I, I don't feel very good right now. That's cool. I don't know. I think that's particularly powerful mm-hmm. and true. Okay. I, I wanted to tell you one thing. Remember I told you I wanted, there was a backstory that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, uh, so we, he had this downtown headquarters at the, at the Kittredge building hmm. in, in downtown Denver. And um, there was this huge bureaucratic organization that had grown. And it was, it was a monster. And there must have been like 200 people that worked there, and they all lived in ashrams. Oh, and they were all getting a free ride. Yeah. And they lived in the ashram, and they had their food provided. They had a place to stay, and, you know, and their their service was they'd go down to the Kittredge building and do, you know, whatever their, their job was. He came through one day, and he chopped it down to about 16 people. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen him do that, you know, numerous times when things were just getting out of control. He just get rid of it. Wow. Just get rid of it and start something all over again. But people were freaking out left and right because I mean, they were going to have to leave the ashram and or, or have to get a job. Mm. I might freak out at that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope nobody comes kicking me out of this ashram. Ah. Uh. Okay, so, so anyway, that was a side no, track. no, I like that. I appreciate the the. I'm sure it was very sweet. You're fired, type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> this this time it really was. Yeah, <laughs> you, hey, pardon me, but you're fired. Yeah. So all right, you're in you're in Colorado for 30 years of your life, learning a new skill, um, sound, yeah. sound and light and production. Uh-huh. Well, you said you you learned the lighting and other bits of it later. Well, like, I actually threw the same channels. Hmm. Because after a while, um, I got invited, after I started learning to do it on a small scale, mm-hmm. I got invited to go to larger festivals. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the biggest ones, there was like about 25,000 people wow. in Kissimmee, Florida. It was like in the late 70s. And, and I had a real, really kind of a profound experience at one of those too. What was that? That was... Um, so where I was part of the advanced forces to go down there about a week ahead of time and get everything set up. And I still didn't really know that much about sound. I could carry, here's a microphone cable running from here to there. And, yeah. you know, I could do that and plug it in to the right place and all that. So I was down there and uh, for a week and I was burnt out. 
And this was the night before the event was supposed to start. And I'm sitting in some grassy place and feeling sorry for myself. And this voice went off inside of me. It says, well, so you, you don't want to be here. No. Well, if you had someplace else to be, where would, what, what, what choice, what, what would you choose? What other place would you choose to be? And I sat there and I thought, and I couldn't think of any place. And then it came in again. And if you were someplace else, where would you wish to be? And I thought, I would, I'd wish to be here. I says, okay, you got your wish. <laughs> and honest to God, man, 180 degrees in that second, it switched. And I wound up having a, a wonderful a time. time. Yeah. Where do you think that came from? What was that? Just inner monologue? I don't know. Or? It was... It came from inside. You know, I've had many times this, I've had a conversation with a voice that's inside of me that seemed like very, very wise. And there was some of the most profound experiences of my life. essence of wisdom is that you know uh intelligence is just having information but uh wisdom is having the i don't know the good sense to follow your own advice you know maybe as long that was, as it's good advice yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i don't you know I, i've never really absolutely identified it yeah you know it could be my higher self that's communicating with me it it could be a spirit entity because I believe in spirit entities. Do you feel? Do you hear an actual voice? Like you perceive a voice in your it, head? I perceive or? a voice. Yeah, it's not like auditory. Right, right. You're not. But it's like Brian Wilson having a. Yeah. yeah. But if I was to like, you know, thinking about what I was going to say to somebody, mm. and that the words would be running sure. through my mind, it was like that. But it was coming from some other place, and I didn't know what they were going to say next. That's really cool. But it, but it really happened. And you've had that many times in yeah. your life? Another time. Um, I was living in Denver, and there was an event in Colorado Springs, and Premrat was going to be there. 
and I didn't, I wasn't involved with helping out with this particular event, but I went to the event and from the time I got there till the time I left, my experience just kept getting worse and worse. And I was going into this thing, you know, there's some darkness that was coming up inside me or something, whatever. But the, the end result was I was feeling bad. I was feeling frustrated. I want to get the fuck away from here as fast as I could. And so then all the way home, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And, and then I, I went in to, to my room and I was just sitting there. And then this thing started happening again. One of the things that happened first was, I'm like, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done with it. I am finished with it. The thing was like, uh, three of the things that they recommended you do was service, satsang, and meditation. Service, what we were talking about. Right. And then satsang, talking about it, and right. meditation, those three things. And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I, this, is, this is not working for me, and I'm not doing it. And so, and I felt this incredible weight lifted from my shoulder. And so I'm sitting there and a voice comes in and it said, do you want to be, do you want to move towards the light or towards the darkness? And I, then I thought, well, moving towards the light means I don't have to do service thoughts on the meditation. I don't And I said, no, do you want to, take the path of light or you want to take the path of darkness and once again i said well if i take the path of light that means i got to do service so I said, no <laughs> do you want to take the path of light or do you want to take the path of darkness and i finally got it and i said well i want to be on the path of light and then it was like all communication systems got shut down right after that and the way i explained it to people is that i was calling 911 in an emergency situation and I got the call through and they got the address and somebody clipped the phone line, but it was too late. It had gotten through. Yeah. And then, so after everything shut down and I just, I just went to sleep, not even thinking about it. Oh, and, and to make it even uh, more curious, I was supposed to go to the community center and set up the sound in the video so we could see a video feed. Actually, it was only an audio feed of what he, he was going to be doing in the event. I think it was like New Orleans or something the next day. And I had promised ahead of time that I was going to do that. And so I never even gave it a consideration that I wasn't going to go. Hmm. I said I was going to do it. And so like... I was planning, okay, now i got to get some sleep because i got to get up the next morning. i got to go to the community center, set it up. And so I was there the next morning, but I was like grumbly. You know, I was still pissed off from the night before, and I'm like throwing things around, and, you know, I was short with people and everything. And then at one point, I told the story pretty much like I just told you to somebody who was there. And they said, so you're not going to do service anymore, huh? I said, no. Well, what are you doing here? And I went. <laughs> it never even occurred to me that one was the other yeah. yeah and then at that at that moment it snapped yeah and and i went from being miserable to being pretty darn happy 
just like boom, it just just happened like that. You know, so it was another time. The voice. Yeah. So um, how are you now here? At what point did you decide to leave Colorado and I and uh, I guess ostensibly that community to be here? <sighs> okay, that's another story. Um, I'll try to keep it short. Don't, you don't have to <laughs> on my account. <laughs> I'll give you. Okay, I met Linda, your my wife. wife. I'd never been married before, and I was like in my mid fifties, fifty four, something like fifty three, fifty four. And uh, so we started dating and courting, and, and we uh, we actually hadn't decided we were going to get married, but she wanted to bring me to Alaska because she her daughter was going to school here. And she'd been here a few a few other times and was getting her doctor's degree and something. And so she said, well, I'm going to go, and I want you to come with me. I thought, oh, this is a great adventure. So I, I went. And, and uh, I can't even remember what part of the year it was, but I know I was here when it was, like, really, really cold, at least one of those. So I think I came another time as well. And then our relationship continued. Then eventually we figured we're going to get married. So we got married and we had a really nice uh, living situation in Evergreen, Colorado. And she starts getting a hanker and she wants to move to Alaska. And I didn't know that she had an agenda to move to Alaska <laughs> until after I married her. Mm. I know she liked it. I didn't know she wanted to move here. And so I got wind that she was applying for jobs. Oh, unbeknownst to you. Yeah, because she does uh, <laughs> software development. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she was applying for jobs in Alaska, not necessarily Fairbanks, anywhere in Alaska. Yeah. And so I, I calmly said to her, sweetheart, there's no fucking way I'm moving to Alaska. <laughs> so here I am. Here you are now. You should have left no. out that sweetheart no. bit. <laughs> no, the backstory of that part is um, she. Just, I so I told her that, but she just kept applying for jobs, applying for jobs, and she finally got an offer that was exactly what she was looking yeah. for. It was a job here at the university, and she says, "Well, I'm not going to take you against your will." So it's going to be your decision if we go to Alaska or not. Oh, man. <sighs> okay. So when do I have to decide by? It was like maybe 10 days away, something like that. I could make it, had to make a decision. She had to commit at a certain point. Sure. So I said, okay. So one day passed, another day passed, another day passed, another day passed. And it got to the weekend. And like we had to tell them by Monday morning. So... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nothing. And then she says, Sunday night, she says, you know, um, no, actually, she said, we have to tell them by Monday. We have to tell them by Monday. So this is on a Sunday. So I said, okay, so I'll come up with an answer by tomorrow. <laughs> so in the morning, I got up and I was going to meditate. She says, okay, uh, we got to let them know by 9 a.m. I said, you said tomorrow which i was thinking you know later on in the day she says yeah well, 9 a.m today now and this was like two hours away so <laughs> i had a crash course with myself mm -hmm. and sitting down and what i wanted to do more than anything else was get in touch with my heart and see where it, what it wanted to do 
And so, uh, I, I just, I just try to get out of my own situation. You know, the situation that my mind has me in because the mind doesn't want to have anything to do with going to Alaska. But the most I could feel really from, from this area in my heart that it wanted to go. And I'm like, (laughs) not liking that answer, (laughs) but I I try to follow what my heart wants me to do rather than what my mind wants to do if I have a choice. So I said, okay, we're going to Alaska. And then (laughs) I have to tell you something that happened about five or six years after that. She told me that by the time it had come to making the choice to quit her job there and move to Alaska, she had chickened out. She didn't want to do it anymore. But she didn't have the courage to tell me that. Oh, no. So, but she knew by dumping it in my lap, she was almost positive that I said, no, I don't want to go. Wow. (laughs) So when I said, okay, we're going, her heart actually sunk. Oh, no. (laughs) But she she didn't tell me about it. So, oh, so, here we, here, so here we are. Yeah. You know? And Now, you have had some serious... Do you want to talk about your health at all? Are you cool? No, with, I'm cool. You're cool? Okay. I'm fine with it. Yeah. You've had some serious health challenges yeah. in your life. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's fair to say you're a survivor of cancer. I'm a right? cancer survivor. Yeah. yeah. Can you... Was that before Alaska or is it since you've been here? I, I found out I had prostate cancer before Okay, before it even came up to, to move to Alaska. Okay. That was like around 2002-ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. And then I was devastated. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I <laughs> I had a hard time sleeping that night, and, you know, just all these thoughts of mortality, sure. and da-da-da-da-da. And but nobody ever told me that if you're going to get cancer, prostate cancer is probably the one to get. Really? Because it's one of the more easy ones to deal with, hmm. you know. But nobody told me that. I just thought cancer, that means yeah. I'm going to die, you know. And so we went into this various different things of, um, you know, we're, you know, trying to cure the prostate cancer. And then so in the meantime, she and I had gotten married. And part of it was because we really wanted to get married. And the other part was we did it like really fast so I could get on her insurance policy at work and then it would pay for all my treatments. So we were doing that and um, we decided to do radiation implants in within the prostate. The radiation is somehow what kills the cancer cells, blah, blah, blah. So they did that. It was a surgical procedure. They had to open me up and da-da. And then when they went inside my bladder to look, you shoved a scope down inside my bladder to make sure they didn't puncture the bladder walls. And they found out that my whole inside of my bladder was covered with cancer. Oh my God. With cancer cells. But it hadn't gone through the bladder. It was contained within the bladder. So they wound up scraping it all out. And then uh, then doing this particular therapy, I can't remember what the hell it's called, but it's it's something that that alerts the immune system to the, the body's immune system, and it comes rushing in and it you know kills off everything. And uh, so I went through a series of that, and it didn't work. And I went through a second series of it. This is all happening in Colorado, mm-hmm. and and then it worked. 
you know, I, I called the place one day and I said, okay, what, what's up? You know, I'm waiting for these results. And he just came back and said, yeah, yeah, they, they've, they, all the cancer, they took out cancer cells, but they were all dead. There was no living cancer cells that you had in your body anymore. So like I'm cancer free. Uh, yeah. You know, for right now, anyways, you know, it's least remission. So I'm like, whoopee. Yeah. <laughs> and this is just before we were going to drive to Alaska. Wow. And then, so we got out here and then, but the protocol is you're supposed to go back, you know, like first it's every three months for the first year. And then it's every, you know, twice, a, twice a year. Mm. And the very last checkup I was supposed to have where they put a scope up into my bladder mm they found more cancer and the doctor says this is a particularly nasty one and you know it's really really hard to knock out with the same therapy that you did before so it just continued to get worse and then the, my only option that seemed real to me uh, was to have my bladder removed and I was doing everything that I could to not have that happen because I didn't want it I didn't want that to happen but it did and they, they built a, it's, it's called an Indiana pouch. They take a part of my intestine and then they, they insert it here. And then there's like a, I have a hole in my tummy or I put a catheter in about three, four times a day. Wow. And that's where my pee collects. Right. And that was just second nature to me. No, you don't even think about it. No. Why do they call it an Indiana pouch? Beats the fuck out of me. <laughs> Nobody's been able to give me, as I've asked that question, <laughs> nobody's been able to give me a good answer. Yeah. But. I wonder if people in Indiana are aware of this. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana pouch. So, I'm sorry to, yeah. that, um, that's a hell of a tale. And are you on the other side of it? You feel fine? Everything's cool? Yeah. Yeah, I I can you know I get checkups still. Yeah, you know it was every half year. I'm I'm down to one a year now. One year, and they look for cancer. I alternate between uh, MRIs and CAT scans, yeah. CT scan they call them now, and just keep coming back negative, and I'm just sailing on through life without a bladder. Yeah, and uh, but I'm all right. Yeah, you seem all right. Yeah. Seem happy? Yeah. You've survived cancer. Yep. Um, and have sort of pushed back the icy claws of death yeah. <laughs> that you felt <laughs> slowly yeah. gathering around you. Yeah. Uh, sands a bladder. Yeah. And you're in the coldest state. In the union. In the yeah. world. Yeah. Well, it could be in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're... You're happier possibly than you think you are. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to say it. I think I'm happier than I think I am. Yeah. We, we talked last night for, I don't know, several hours about a range of topics from meditation to uh, your thoughts on spirituality and various spiritual forces. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, to me, I'm, I'm always very curious about anyone's spirituality, whatever it is, just how people relate to reality and what we conceive of as reality. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me you have a variety of very um, unique inspirations for your particular philosophy on life. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, ranging from the Maharaji to your own insights uh, and your near-death experiences. Um, I, I wondered if maybe 
Uh, One of the things we touched on last night, you talked about um, there being a lot of sort of dual forces that are at work. Mm -hmm. There's, you've mentioned it so far today, light or dark. Yeah. Uh, There's left and right. There's positive and negative. Can you, um, I don't know how much of your philosophy you want to go into, but can, can you tell me what sort of forces do you perceive at work in your life? I see forces at work on, in my life um, that cause growth through being put through stressful situations. Um, I, I hit on this a while ago that stress is kind of a universal force that causes growth and strengthening to occur. And it, it started out where... Uh, for a while, I, I got into pyramid power. I don't know what that is. Well, the, 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 the energy, the, a pyramid can focus a particular kind of energy, and it uh, anything put in this apex, no, not the apex, but this very particular spot inside of a pyramid shape, you know, there's a very, it, it's very geometrical and, you know, very specific angles and everything. And... And I, I haven't experienced it for myself. I just read a lot about it. And but whatever happens with whatever puts is put in there, like you can put fruit in there and it doesn't rot. You can put razor blades in there; they stay sharper longer. Um, it, just, it just has like this preserving effect in this particular place in the pyramid, and. Uh, and I, I looked at that kind of like in a universal overall situation. And the one thing they all had in common that I could detect was that whatever was put in there, it was either being maintained or returned to its original state that was predetermined by consciousness. So like fruit is like ideally it's fresh razor blade ideally is sharp that's the way it was created you know and so this energy seemed to uh, direct whatever forces are were going on you know happening within that object to keep it in its state of its originally intended creation Okay, so that's that's, that's, step, that's okay. step one. Got it. And then I learned that somebody told me that uh, I read an article that if you take like a, a piece of sheet metal and you bend it, it makes this parabola shape. And there's a particular place in that parabola that if you put something there, it will maintain its original structure like if you put something in a pyramid you know very very similar if not exactly the same thing that was going on so i started looking at this too and i eventually came out of it you know we all go through stress as human beings and there's this saying if it doesn't kill you it just makes you stronger and we all know this to be true you, you go through some kind of an emotional stress thing and you come out of it. I mean, you're really out of it. And most people are glad they went through it because of the state that it helped bring them to. You pitch your, your muscles against weights mm-hmm. and they get stronger. 
So just through that observation, I came to a conclusion that there is some alternate reality that we live right next to that if you're experiencing any kind of stress, whether it's muscular, emotional, or mental, or whatever, that stress is allowing this energy to come through to you that's living in 3D reality, and it's strengthening whatever is on the other side of that stress. And what's the connection to the pyramid and the parabolic arc? Consciousness. Just an intention of... Yeah. So do you think the growth in a spiritual context, is that something to do with your own intention? Like, say, the stresses on your life, if you if you intend on those stresses being something that can improve you in, in some sort of spiritual way, is that what's doing it, or do you think it's just, it just happens? It's an uh, essential quality of stress. Well, if you're going to go through stress, you're going to get strengthened one way or the other. Whether you want and, to or and not. And you can, you can subject yourself to stress voluntarily mm. by uh, saying, like, you want to move forward on a spiritual path. And then, you know, you can talk to spiritual masters and, you know, they can tell you, well, you can do this to help yourself, you can do that to help yourself. And what it usually entails is breaking out of a pattern that you've been in and you've got to establish a new pattern. And that takes some very specific intention Mm. to to move in that direction and if you're moving in the direction that you were advised okay okay do this like we were talking about last night you know if you meditate if you just sit down for 10 minutes in the morning every day and you really make an attempt at focusing on your breath for 10 minutes straight you're not gonna be able to do it but if you do that intention and you're really really trying to do it that's an indication that you are putting effort into moving in a direction that's going to be good for you, that you want to be moving in. Yeah. And that's, that's anything, you know, like studying books in school. You know, you're sitting there stressing and stressing and studying, studying, studying. Right. Uh, sports star, uh, you know, training sure. an athlete. Sure. They're training and they're they're moving in a direction that they want to do and they're 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 voluntarily uh, subjecting themselves to stress. Right. And even if they're not doing it, you know, like things apparently aren't getting any better, they are. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, I imagine stronger, the idea of getting stronger is a subjective thing anyhow. You know, you can survive a bear attack and you may not be physically stronger ever again from the bear attack, but you may be mentally stronger or have a better connection with your family or strength isn't just the linear, you know, pick up a weight and build a muscle. There's a lot of nuance in what, yeah, I've never been been attacked by a bear. The day is young. We are in Alaska, (laughs) (laughs) but I would, I would imagine that anybody who's gone through a bear attack and came out alive has a total new, totally new outlook on life. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. So what I I guess I'm trying to get my, my head around in, in your, in your philosophy is so the the stress you said you mentioned something about a like a parallel or unseen universe of active forces that uh that act uh in line with the stress or in line with your growth i'm not quite maybe i'm not uh i'm definitely not very smart 
So that could help. Well, maybe, maybe I'm not explaining it very well. That could be or will be too. Um, I'm going to try a different approach okay. if I can. Maybe I'll just be saying the same thing again. I think that's great. But where does strength come from? You know, and I've, to me, in my theory, I've, I, I've identified where strength comes from. Hmm. It comes from this realm that existing, is existing alongside of us, might be existing within us even. And then the stress is like a doorway for okay. that energy to come through to our 3D reality existence. Gotcha. And it strengthens whatever was creating the stress so that's what i want to get at the realm that okay. that's a good entry for me mm -hmm. so you mentioned last night that in your meditative experience you've managed to have sort of a a, a congress with whatever realm this is you felt like in the presence of something well else. there's that's a that I was, that was a different thing that i was talking about. oh okay 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 the, the realm i was talking about in that context was just it was a realm of reality that's that's very still hmm. and it, nothing can touch it okay. and, and you know and i've had a few experiences with it that you know you're sitting there you're doing your meditation techniques and and all of a sudden something just appears you know and it's and it's this reality yeah that um it's always there it's the only it doesn't ever go away our attention drifts from it because there's so many things to be distracted from mm -hmm. to keep us from being allowed to see it and experience that it's there all the time right so the realm that you're talking about then with the the strength that stresses allow to to come through into our consensus reality what um what is that in your opinion where what, what do you think i don't know yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. And it's, and these are like, you know, I don't have anything that I can say that, okay, I've done these scientific experiments sure, and everything. Sure. I haven't. Well, I'm not, but, believe me, I'm not trying to yeah, challenge yeah. you to give me some no, no, factual. No, 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 I, I'm not getting that at all. <laughs> but but I just want to, you know, make it really clear that yeah. these are all my own ideas. Sure, that, sure. Um, I've never read about this and nobody's ever else has yeah. ever talked about it. But I've learned that when I come up with something like this, it's not like I came up with it. It was like I was shown it. Hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm meditating, and usually I, uh, when, I, when it happens the most is when I smoke a little pot before I meditate. That's when I have my greatest insights. insights yeah. And it's, it's not like I'm making things up. It's, it's like I'm being shown in, in images. Yeah. You know? And then, then I'll accept that as being an image shown to me okay, well, what happens next? And, and then based on that I accepted this, then another image will be shown mm. that can detail things a little bit farther. So can you tell me how this has affected your life? So your perception of stress and strength and, and that the realm of strength, I guess, for lack of, I don't know what you call, what you would call it, but have, is there some way in your life that you've noticed that that is helping you or or hindering you or in any way making oh it's definitely not hindering me i mean it helps uh to have this understanding instead of freaking out about something yeah i can i can go to this understanding that i have and 
and, and let and, and understand that a process is taking place. Yeah. Like if I'm in some uh, particularly stressful situation that I don't want to be in anymore, if if I can <laughs> snap to and and remember like what I'm telling you, right? I says, oh yeah, this is just a process, and we just have to wait it out. You know, you can't make it go away, but what you can do is accept that it's there, and the more you accept that it's there, the more easily it it flows through. Yeah. And the faster it'll be done with. So do you feel like you um, were able to to get high without substance? No. In your experience? No. You've never you've never found <laughs> never, it. Never got that one. Still There's only it. one time in my life, one time in my life, I had I had come back from an event that Prem Rawat was at and uh, and I was sitting on the side of this big hill, small mountain in Colorado. And, and I started just breathing and something started happening that was very similar to when I eat mushrooms. Really? Yeah. It was beautiful. Can you um, describe it? Can you? That was just beautiful. It was, you know, it was, it was very loving experience. Uh, it was very, you know, something to be desired to have in your life. And, and it's, along the lines of what I'm looking for, you know, cause I, if I had my choices, I might be in that state all day long <laughs> because it's just, it's a lovely place to be. Yeah. But then the downside of that, <laughs> I, I felt like I was you know, like given a little boost because what was up next for me was to go into a depression for about six months. Hmm. I mean, I went in such a deep depression. I felt so bad for so long I forgot what it felt like to feel good. To feel normal and good. Yeah. Well, they say from no great high comes no great low, but yeah. sometimes you just hit a great low. Yeah. But And sometimes it sounds like you hit a great high. Without. Yeah. But most of the time, if I want to get high, uh, well, pot is my go-to. Yeah. You know, but, and I've, you know, the older I get, the, the, the experiences change. Sure. So like less is more, mm-hmm. you know. And, and a good frequency for me is about once a week. To get high. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I use it more now for uh, going inside than I do for partying. Yeah. Yeah. But I do still do it for partying, like for, for dancing. Yeah. Going said, out dancing with no pot is like a day without sunshine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said you like to dance. I'm a dancing fool. I was dancing when I was 12. I was dancing when I was twelve I was dancing when I was out I was dancing when I was out I danced myself right out the womb I danced myself right out the womb Strange to dance as soon. I dance myself right out the room. I was dancing when I was eight. I was dancing when I was eight. 
You told me uh, last night about an experience, uh, your 10. Do you mind telling me about your 10? Oh, the 10, yeah. Well, how much of the backstory do you want? <laughs> well, I mean, just the sort of the what it was. You know, just you, you told me about um, you went to a rave and you were exposed to, to, to raves late later in life. Yeah. It seems like such a, a young kid sport. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The rave scene. Well, um, okay, so I have this friend. Uh, he's known as Balu, mm -hmm. and uh, I hadn't seen him in about 15 years. He, he lived in Colorado for a while, then he went to the East Coast and various places, and he became a rave promoter. And then he blows back into town, and he was staying with me for, for a little while, and he immediately got into the rave scene in Denver, and he's telling me about these parties he had. You know, he rented this amusement park in Rhode Island, and they had the whole park, and it was a big rave party going on. And all that, and I said, Balu, you got to take me to a rave, man. I want to go to a rave. Because I've been wanting to go to a rave for a couple of years after I'd heard about them. Didn't know really what they were, but it sounded like fun. And so we went to this first one, and it was like, it was music was like I'd been waiting for it for 20 years. And it was called Trance. I didn't know it at the time it was called Trance, but it, but that's what it's called. And that's still what gets me off and going. So I went to that one. He took me to another one. And then the third one I went to was a ski resort, Copper Mountain. It was like a Saturday night. We had uh, gotten together and put our forces together. And we had a, our own party. It had nothing to do with the rave. But we had this, or our own party we did for our spiritual community. It was, you know, dancing and music. I rented a sound system and he did some lights and da 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 da. And about 10 o'clock, he took a hit of acid. And he starts telling me, Gary, you know, there's this rave party that's going on at Copper Mountain. We should go after, after this party's done. I'm going, no fucking way. You know, it was, <laughs> things not going to be over till 2.30 in the morning by the time we get packed up and leaving. And besides, my girlfriend is waiting. She's expecting me to show up, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he said that at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you know, we, we should really go to this rave party. No, 12 o'clock, we should really go to this rave party. No, 1 o'clock, we should really go to this rave party. No! And so I finally said, all right, what I'll do, I'll take you to I-70 and I'll drop you off so you can get, you know, thumb a ride. 2.30 in the morning. Stoned. Yeah, good luck. Out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good luck. So on the way down to where I was going to drop him off, he gives me a tape. He says, this is a friend made this tape for me. And, and I was really, really tired. And I had this pot with me that was like, I didn't know at the time, but it was like, um, what's not the indica of the other one? Sativa. Sativa. Because it really woke me up. And I knew that you smoke this stuff and you wake up. So I smoked some for the drive home so I wouldn't fall asleep. That was the main reason I smoked it. So, but we're driving towards where he's going to get dropped off and he puts his thing and it's all this trance music. And so I put it in and listening to it and I'm thinking, oh, this is pretty good. So I reached over and I turned it up a little bit more. And I went, wow, this is really, really good. <laughs> I turned it up more. <laughs> and then the voice started going on inside me. You know, there's nothing stopping you from going to this party. You could go if you really wanted to. 
And so this went on for a couple minutes, and I just looked. I say, dude, you want to go to a rave party? (laughs) (laughs) So we went, and they had two band stages set up. One was a circus tent with, with the outside walls missing. And I got there, and it was the most outrageous music I could ever remember hearing at a rave party. And I felt like I'd found my tribe. Hmm. I really felt like I'd found my tribe of people. They were dancing and dancing and dancing. And the music ranged between very, very good to completely fucking outrageous. You know, there was there was a few times at night where the music would just build and build. And we'd get to a point where there's no way this could get any better. And then it got better. <laughs> like right after me thinking this. This happened like three or four times throughout the whole night. And the, but they had another stage. It was in a parking lot. Didn't have a tent. But I, I started thinking, you know, like you know, I should you know go over there because you never know. So once one point where the music dropped to just very very good, I took myself over to the other place. And not only was it better, it was a lot better than something that was already great. And then so I just I just danced the night away. And then I danced till the sun came up. I almost hurt myself because I wouldn't go get water to drink. Yeah. I was having so much fun. And if, when this, after the sun came up, you know, this crowd just kept getting smaller and smaller. The kids, they would always drift. They would drift over to the larger stage. So when the, at the end, it was me the DJ and three security cops. <laughs> and and I, I was dancing. You're the only like, one dancing. I was it. completely free. I, I had reached a state of 100% let go. Yeah. I was dancing as if no one was watching me in the middle of the forest. But I knew people were, but it didn't make any difference. Yeah. So I knew the security guys were watching me and the DJs watching. He's just playing music for me. Yeah. You know? I'd love to hear him tell this story. <laughs> I would too. I really, really would. And I watched as the crowd got smaller and smaller, and then there was just this guy. This old dude. <laughs> just dancing his happy ass off. Yeah, I that was. That sounds great. And then, and then, so that was the last party, the rave party I went to mm-hmm. that I was accompanied. Then I just started going on my own. Yeah. I'd find out where they were, and I'd just go on my own. Well, it sounds to me like you have found how to get high without substance. I mean, yeah, I maybe got a little stone beforehand, but I mean that that feeling of dancing without with the feeling of no one watching, like that's a that is a high. That is an altered state of consciousness. Yeah, well, I had smoked. Yeah, you know, not a lot. Right. I, mean, I just I just had that one. You yeah, know, we were yeah. Coming down off the mountain. Right. It almost doesn't count. <laughs> okay. It's like, it's like a cup of coffee in the morning, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. You're not thinking, boy, I'm really glad I had that coffee this morning. Yeah, it's long gone. So, but you know, that state that you you described being in that sort of free, untethered, just you know, I don't care who's watching. You're not even aware of the fact that you could be observed. And that's that's an altered yeah. state. That I mean, I, I've never smoked any pot that gave me that sort of. Well, it's it has it's a combination of the dancing too. Yeah. Cause like it's dancing is, is it's like it's a special thing for me. It's like one of my favorite things to do in the world. Not just any dancing. It has to be. I love dancing to music that I love to dance to, and I don't love dancing to all kinds of music. Sure. But with the the music that has my natural body rhythms, yeah, incorporated into it, yeah, you know, that's I can do that. I can dance till I hurt myself. What's your flavor? What do you like? 
favorite music. Yeah, what do you like to dance to? Well, trance, mm-hmm. and then rock and blues, boogie woogie, yeah. and old time rock and roll, yeah. real rock and roll. Like some Chuck Berry, real yeah. rock and roll? Yeah. Oh, that sounds but great. not so much an old Chuck Berry song. I'd rather listen to uh, an updated version, you know, like done by somebody else, more <laughs> energy and you know greater sure. production qualities and gotcha. everything like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Man, so do you still get a chance to dance? Are you out there on the floor when you? When Not you as much as I want to. Yeah. Not nearly as much as I want to. Yeah. The last chance I had, it was just a few weeks ago here in Fairbanks. Yeah. Out the Blue Loon, this this group came through there called uh, Dead Fish, and they're a band from Colorado I'd never heard of, but they play Grateful Dead and fish music. Yeah. Like the the cream of the crop. To get you twirling around and and oh and they hit they hit my rhythms man that's great and then so I was I was out at this place that one night and I I ate half a brownie <laughs> that I had made myself it was, nice. they're pretty decent and um, it was great sound I knew the guy who was doing the mix yeah when I got there it was a great sound system great energy engineer and the air was clean mm-hmm. and and. I was just, it was a whirling dervish. A friend of mine was with me and he was watching me. And it, uh, when the band took a break, we went outside. He says, you know, Gary, you know, like, I'm watching you. And it looks like you're in a different place when you're dancing. And I thought about it. I never really thought about it. And I said, Chris, you're right. I, I am in a different place. Yeah. And um, I have so many just wonderful memories of dancing yeah and and people being appreciative of it yeah because i know like whenever i dance i've i've gotten it so many times that people like to watch me dance they just like to watch it so i know when i'm dancing i'm doing a performance and people are watching me and Mm. all that but i try to ignore that as much as possible and just do my dance and like uh, one of my most recent favorite ones was last summer I was in Colorado and we went uh, with my, my best buddy in the world, Wild Bill. And we, we went to this place where um, uh, Stephen Colbert's band, uh, I can't remember what they're the, called. Oh, uh, no, that's Not the other guy. The, um, uh, I don't know, Nude something or other. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I can't remember what their name is. Yeah. I'll probably remember it later on. <laughs> But they were playing. I mean, they were, and they were so good. Really, they were so good. They were playing in this kind of like an arena, sort of. It was an outdoor arena. It was covered, and it was about a fifteen hundred seat thing. And it was probably half full. And they weren't the headliners. They were the opener. Wow. And and Bill Bill had made some brownies. He's the guy who taught me how to make brownies. Nice. He's a master. And so we each had a pretty good dose. Mm-hmm. And by the time this band was coming on, I was peaking. And they were just playing this outrageous music that I just could not sit for. <laughs> and so I'm dancing, and there are, there are scattered people around. It was yeah. not a dance crowd. Right. You know, they, weren't, they weren't there to dance. And But anyway, so I was dancing, and there was many times I was the only guy in the whole place that was dancing. And I was straight off the stage from the band, like right in the middle, but way in the back. Yeah. And I was I was kind of in a place of, uh, you know, let go. I was about yeah. maybe 99% let go. I didn't reach 100%. <laughs> 
but I was getting after it, you know. Yeah. And then when the whole thing was over, I wanted I wanted to go talk to the band, not as a groupie, but to express my appreciation right. for their talent and the joy that they brought me. Yeah. So we we wound our way back. And uh, we we're talking to this one guy. He says, "Well, I want to talk to the man. Why? Because I want to thank them for, you know, because I was dancing." He says, "I know you were dancing." Says, As a matter of fact, he goes, "Pull it out when he shows me this." <laughs> he had videotaped from the back. He says, "This is going up on Facebook tomorrow. Oh, Trust God, me, you're going to be awesome. famous." <laughs> that's amazing. But I never seen it. Yeah, I, I don't know if he posted it or not, but I never saw it. That's great. Um, Did you get to thank the band. One of the guys, the drummer, the guy yeah. that wears the cowboy hat. There you go. And I can't even remember what his name was, but he was a really nice guy. Wow, cool. I went back there like three or four times, but they were they were still in their room doing sure. whatever, you know. And finally, I saw him. He was talking to somebody. I waited till they were done, and I just walked. I go, excuse me. I just, I'm Gary. I'm from, and I just, I had such a wonderful time yeah. uh, dancing to you. He says, yeah, I saw you. <laughs> it was hard to miss. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we just talked. Yeah, and well, he cool. was genuinely a nice guy. He, you know, he we got to a point. He says, "Well, tell me something about yourself." Him, him telling me that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, that it was, so it was good all the way around. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still, I'm trying to. The reason I'm asking you about all this stuff, I'm trying to relate your philosophical um, sort of understanding of stress. And the forces that are at work. Oh, that. Okay, and your life. Back to that. Well, okay. but I never left. I never left because I'm trying. Because I know you've you've talked to me about this a little bit, and I I want to I want to get it because I have a I have a rough time understanding what reality. Let me rephrase that. I do not understand reality. I have a tough time with um, with what it is, what I am, what everything is, what experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to understand it. And uh, you, in, in your first letter to me, you said, yeah, I've got some unique theories on reality and what's happening here that I've never really explained necessarily, but I'd like to. And I want to make sure that I'm getting it properly because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm always looking at different things and weighing one against the other and considering and, uh, and doing my own exploration. So when you're talking about this, these experiences you have, in in dance and in this sort of free form expression of your inner child almost your inner self your happiest um essence Mm -hmm. that sounds like a strength to me like almost a superpower of uh, expression and and carefree joy that uh i'm wondering if if you have any sort of connection to that you can explain to me how maybe stresses in your life built that strength or have allowed that strength to come through or is there is there any way you can kind of tie those together for me and help me understand it or I am know. i just making I, shit up because I, I i've never related the stress to dancing mm. uh because like when i'm dancing like the way i've described so i'm pretty much stress-free yeah right right just letting it rip yeah um the stress thing is just it's just an aspect of life and uh, I don't know what else to say about it. If it no, doesn't kill you, it just yeah, makes you stronger. And, I get, and I get really that aspect does. of it. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at that other realm, the, the bit that you mentioned that there was an unperceived existing realm mm-hmm. that is affecting our daily lives. And you've mentioned you know, 
positive and negative forces that I would imagine or assume are all in that same realm of this sort of beyond natural perception realm. Yeah. Well, we, this 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 thing I'm talking about stress is like an aspect of 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 realities that we live within that we don't always recognize. Right. So it's talk, just an aspect of it. So talk to me about that reality that we don't recognize. Like, what is that to you? Um, it's the way things really are, not the way things are perceived to be. And the way things really are, it, it's beyond this, this third dimension thing that we all seem to be trapped into. Um, so my... My overall view on life, it's been taking quite a few years to come to some pretty hardcore conclusions that, you know, that, that make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that a lot of people ask about, you know, you know, it has to do with God and the goodness that's available and all the evil that's in the world and they're always constantly at each other's throats and um, what what purpose does it have? And as much as I've been able to figure out that we're, you've probably heard this before, we're spirit beings here having a human experience. Sure. You know. Consciousness experiencing itself through human form. Yeah. 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 And so there has to be a setup. Like if we're sent here, we were born into this life to have an experience. The, the purpose of that experience is to grow and get stronger, like within our spirit self. And so we get injected into this 3D reality and we go through all these human experiences including stress, and then through that, our spirit gets stronger. And it's purposeful. So, and I I used to puzzle with, there's good in this world and there's bad in this world, but why does the bad have to be here? And I'd eventually come to the conclusion the bad has to be here because if it wasn't, there would be no stressful situations for us to go through. And subsequently, no growth. Yeah. So the 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 bad, what we perceive as the bad, is from a different point of view. It's not really bad. It's an antagonizer. Right. It's a catalyst. Yeah. For something else to happen. Right. So you can, it'll cause stress. Sure. And then when you that stress, that stress is a vehicle for this strength to come through and affect you in a in a desirable way right well it's like a muscle there's always an agonist and antagonist you know there's one muscle that pushes and another muscle that pulls that one back mm-hmm. allowing the muscle you just used to relax and but I, I i'm wondering if you've so in in all that exploration do you you said you feel like there's a purpose do you have any sense of what that purpose might be you know to it's, the suffering and the joy and the whole experience do you it's, have a, we're all um, it's part of a gig- gigantic organism. Like Chris Ryan talks about this, you know, we're, we're in a gigantic organism. Right. Or maybe right. it was Joe Rogan. A super organism yeah. that we're just serving it. We're, we're within we it. We're yeah. a part of it. 
you know, and there's something going on that's beyond our own personal attention or intentions. Mm -hmm. There's a greater intention that's going on. And for us to be here in it is part of that intention, that greater intention, uh, fulfilling its, its own desires. I mean, I'm a happy, generally happy person. Mm -hmm. I'm having a great time. I feel very fortunate in life, but I do feel like it's pointless. And I, and I know that sounds horrible and cold and bleak, but I just, I don't really see any point to uh, cosmically, personally, or otherwise to being, just being to mm -hmm. the world, to any of it, to the suffering, to the joy, to the art, to any of it. I kind of feel like, you know, I have no idea what any of this is, but it just kind of feels a little pointless. So why not enjoy it and have a good time and be kind because that's the nicest way to get along in the world. But I, it just feels to me like, um, existence is a bit pointless, uh, and I'm I'm fine with that most of the time. So when I hear when I hear something like what you've said that you know that the joy and the suffering and all the things that we grow from as these spiritual beings that it that there's a point to it you know that 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 this consciousness that's within you is growing to something. I'm very curious what insight you might have into what that might oh, be. Okay. Yeah. Um, it kind of hit me. Who was that, that physicist we were talking about last night that was on Chris's show? Oh, um, Bruce Damer. Bruce Damer. Yeah. You know, something that he was explaining to Chris about, like, he is, he and a, and a team of people, and mostly him, though, they figured out how life sprung into being on planet Earth. And working on it, yeah. It, it, started, it just went from minerals right. to, like, biology. Yeah, that moment when it went from, uh, you know, study of rocks to the study yeah. of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it occurred to me that after, after I listened to that, that it wasn't that life didn't exist on planet Earth before that, before biology happened. It just hadn't reached the state of biology yet. Like when a plant grows, the flower comes after the plant matures. And the flower that the plant matures, like like a rose, say, that's the pinnacle of that plant's expression. It's not the leaves. It's not the thorns. You could have leaves and thorns. like a big deal. But then that rose comes, and you see that's the, that's the ultimate expression. And I can see humanity in a very, very large sense in a similar situation. And in life in general, in a very, very much larger sense, in that same expression where it starts out uh, small and it, it, there's not a lot of movement and then something happens and then there's more movement and that movement causes more movement and that movement causes more movement and there's growth that's happening. And like humanity right now is kind of like that rose, that rose that's, that's coming out of that plant but this is just taking many, many thousands of years for it to fully, you know, express itself. And at the same time, there's forces that are trying to take it down. But that's part of the play. So that stress can be there and, in the, in, 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 you know, strength is gained within that organism. And so, I mean, I've seen this for quite a while that humanity is like uh, a... The, it's like the crown of creation right now. 
it's 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 the the expression the highest expression that life has attained but but i also see us going into another realm of uh you know even higher the next level up like when like there's people all over this planet they just know such there's such bullshit going on all the time around us and we want to uh, get out of that situation like human beings are always wired to find something that's going to make them happy you know and that's what i really believe that somebody should follow you know like follow follow your joy because that's going to lead you down a, you know into a situation where it's going to be the greatest opportunity for your growth and your joy and blah 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 and blah 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 yeah, yeah. that might be the yeah. subtitle of yeah. our, our show sort of the allegory of a flower which I, f- I find beautiful uh, I think that's one of the coolest things about flowers is that they're they're a beautiful story in themselves but you were, you were saying that the the highest expression of like uh, a rose is the flower itself yeah and I would agree in that it's just the most beautiful it's like kind of the aesthetic thing that draws the bee it draws the man it draws the woman it draws all the the pollinators and the things that help it but I, I would say that the fullest expression to me of the rose is the next rose that it's trying to make and that's its job is to continue to make copies of itself mm-hmm. but there's not like a point where the rose has finally won and the battle's over and that there's you know a, it was heading towards some point other than making another rose mm-hmm. who would in turn make another rose who would and I kind of feel that's that's when i say that i feel like life is pointless i don't mean that to say that i don't think it's worth living i think it's great you know if i felt it was really pointless i would have just hopped off a bridge or something but uh the the point of it doesn't seem to be pointing anywhere in particular it's just the perpetuation of uh, making copies and if human beings are at that flower stage where we're making seeds and we're attracting the next whatever our equivalent pollinator is one what are we making what's what's the next thing that we're making and uh i don't know is, is should that be reason for me to be hopeful or to feel like there's a point or <laughs> well it, it you can think about it and you don't have it part of your belief system but it's doesn't really help you too much in the moment yeah. because you know you're wired to 
seek happiness or contentment or you know where that is. Yeah. And when you happen to be experiencing that, it makes life seem more worthwhile. So you could you could say simply, the purpose of life is to experience this beautiful fucking whatever it is. You know, when I eat mushrooms or you know these. Not only that, but you have these ecstatic highs of you know love-induced hmm. uh, experiences that seem to make life worthwhile. Yeah, and I mean you can have all these ideas and theories and everything about life, but if you're always depressed, yeah. they yeah. don't do you any good. <laughs> no, they don't. You know, and I I recognize that that you know I could be completely wrong hmm. about all the stuff that I'm coming up with. But I've just been shown many, many times over and over again to trust the the images that are shown to me and the conclusions that that are made because of those images being shown. Yeah. That um, there there is a direction that life is headed towards, and it's evolvement. It's like if if humanity makes it through this crisis that we're in on this planet right now, and it is a crisis from everything I can understand about it. We have ambulatory insanity with the their finger right above the button. Yeah. To that just begins the cascade of you know, nuclear destruction. Hmm. If we make it through that there's a I won't say a goodness it's you can relate it to good, but there's an evolvement that's going to happen when all of the, the, the things that are trying to drag it down are busted loose from. Hmm. And then humanity can go into a next level of existence. And we have all these capacities within us that a lot of people have experienced. And like we, you know, we're all psychic and, uh, there's a lot of things that human beings can do that science can't prove, but they're doing them nonetheless. Right. You know, the human being is capable of so much more sure. than what it is. And we're capable of operating as a unit. Yes. You know, so I, I've seen, you know, like a flock of birds move. You know what a murmurer is? Yes, murmuration. Yeah, it's just one of the most amazing things Gorgeous. To, Gorgeous. to have happen. For anybody who doesn't know what a murmur murmur mur is, is that murmur murmur uh, murmurer murmuration? Murmurer. Yeah, there's like a flock of birds. Yeah, uh, particular like there's particular species of birds that they'll be flying in this giant uh, flock that birds are in. Yeah, it's just a it's an in, undulating form uh, of yeah. birds that are flying together and they're not necessarily following anyone. Yeah, uh, but these incredible patterns are made in yeah. the sky. Yeah. That look like there's an intelligence behind them. Yeah. It can not happening just by accident. I see humanity doing stuff like that in the future. Hmm. That we're we're working together, we're all tuned into the same thing. The reason that those birds can do that is because they're connected to an intelligence that's causing them to do that. And all they do is follow their own internal guidance. Yeah. And, and, they, and it couldn't even be reduced to something as simple as that. It's just that 
they fly one way, then they fly the other way, then they fly the other way, then they fly the other way, having no idea that they are part of a much greater mosaic that's happening in the sky. And there are maybe, you know, maybe a few hundred people that happen to be watching it while it's going on. Yeah. And the, but they don't have a clue. So humanity can do something like that too, but on a much higher level where, you know, people just get the urge to, you know, I'm going to go to Little Rock, Arkansas. For why? I don't know. I just feel like going. Yeah. But that's happened to like maybe 10,000 people all at the same time. They all converge in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then they, they get there and they find that there's all this different talent that has amassed there. And and they start digging for crystals or something because right. Little Rock is a someplace in Arkansas that's yeah. a major crystal capital of the planet. But um, but they just start working as a unit, yeah. not even realizing that they're working as a unit. They're just doing what they want to do. Yes. Do you feel like those sort of things have already happened in humanity? Do you feel like we've reached other levels? I mean, in our what you call involvement, our evolvement, our in, sort of evolving into whatever it is that we're becoming. Yeah. You know, do you feel like we've already done that multiple times in our history or Ooh, multi oh, as a species. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have direct access to you know, like <laughs> what <laughs> happened before the last fall of civilization. <laughs> if humanity is doing anything, we're working to to sort of transcend the organic and become uh, something other. You know, a, a different sort of consciousness that's untethered to flesh and blood, mm -hmm. and the, and then the animal kingdom. And we we tend to think of animals as one thing and humans as another, which is not, clearly not what it is. It's not the way the world is. We're we're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But we we different expressions of right, something more basic. Yeah, we're all animals. We're just flesh and blood animals on the planet. But it feels like that human beings want to be something else other than you know flesh and blood animals so I, I i don't know that i find a lot of um a lot of comfort in that next evolvement you know that next period in our evolution do you uh i mean it seems like you're just a hopeful guy you seem like pretty happy about um i mean i know you clearly think everything is crazy and fucked up at the moment <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> But you seem like pretty, uh, you know, upbeat about the direction that humanity is is heading. Uh, yeah, if it's allowed to continue heading in that direction, you know, and uh, one of those crazy fingers doesn't hit a button, yeah, and just seriously you know, mess up the whole thing. Yeah. Well, well, like you said, that you know, even a negative force in action or stress like what if that were the stress on the planet that it needed to grow in some way well it's a pretty heavy maybe, stress yeah that's a pretty heavy stress and, that, and maybe that it still holds through it doesn't yeah kill you it makes it stronger it might right. kill humanity but not necessarily kill the planet it'd mm. be pretty tough to kill all of humanity you know to yeah. to to nuclear winterize the entire planet to a but it extent could blast that us back to the Stone Age, <laughs> right, right, and start all over again, which apparently has happened a few times. <laughs> that's, I don't know that, but right, that's right. The rumors that are floating around. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I, I feel very fortunate to be. Ooh, listen to that. <laughs> Speaking of fortune, Bailey's got a thing or two to say. I feel fortunate to be 
here now in this time. Um, only because I just feel fortunate to have experience at all. You know, to be in your home, hanging out in your front yard, uh, be on this journey, um, to be wrong about things, to be to be anything. You know, I, I feel fortunate to be here. You know, people say that um, uh, humanity's we're fucked up. We're gonna kill ourselves. We're ruining the planet. Um, but I, I've never known any other time. You know, I yeah, feel like it's I mean, yeah. It's uh, there's no sense in necessarily wondering if it was better before. You know, but it's certainly worth thinking about if we can make it better in the future. Um, and I feel like this your type of thinking is heading in that that direction to make things better well for sure because like i'm definitely part of the forces of light on this planet and you are too mm. that you, there's good people and you you can tell they're trying to make things better yeah uh, and some are really actively involved in it you know more than other people are and um there's a there's a lot a lot a lot of good really really good people on this planet that that are hopeful for the future and that you know things can become better and there's a relative handful of assholes that that are that are in power yeah that are there and in one sense they're pulling strings to try to keep making things worse and worse and worse and it's up to the good people on the planet to stand up to those forces and not necessarily go to battle with them but put their foot down and say, no, you don't cross this line. And we will, we will stand here and offer our resistance. Yeah. Uh, we won't let you cross this line. You know, that's the most ideal situation. Right. Is not, not to fight back. I mean, I intellectually understand this. It's not to fight back, but it's just to offer resistance, to not let them move any more in the direction that they're moving. Right. I tend to think of... Um... I can't remember the name of the program. There's there's some way that you can, w- w- with your computer, it's going to drive people nuts. They're going to be shouting at their screen, oh, it's called this, but there's a way that you can lend your personal computer or your laptop when you're not using it to um, to space, the study of outer space and the categorizing of stars and things like that. The, I forget what it's called, but you can sort of you know use your computing space that you're not using at the moment to help do calculations on this mass scale that so you know, like your comp- your laptop could be part of a greater whole right just, just using a little bit of its right capacity yeah to be analyzing bits of the sky and looking yeah. at things because there's you know to build a computer that large is cost prohibitive to, to just look at that one thing mm-hmm. but there's enough computing power out there at all times to really do a lot of good you know that there's this collective amalgam of of uh computing power that can um, analyze something as enormous as the universe or sequencing of genomes or whatever it is that you want to set computing power to. I think about that um, in the context of, and I'm not uh, particularly spiritual, I don't have a faith, but the idea of prayer and having intention behind something and thinking about, uh, say, a person or a problem, if, uh, if the collective minds of people around the world were to concentrate on a problem mm-hmm. you know to, to to think about a problem and everyone spent just a few minutes a day thinking about that problem and then maybe talking about what they thought about um that's 
that's to me that same sort of analog where you're going to take this massive computing computing power and putting it on a problem that exists in the world. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's one of the cool things about podcasts. That's why I really like them. It, a guy like Chris Ryan or, you know, any number of these guys who, and, and women, sorry, guys and gals, who uh, are stimulating thought and getting many, many people to think about a problem for any period of time. I think it's real valuable. I, I don't know that we're necessarily getting anybody to think about anything other than quitting your job and fucking off to, to outer space. But I, I do find a, a value in in that sort of thing, in that thinking about a problem to make things make things better. Yeah, and it, it's, it's actually happening. And that's one of the greater challenges that humanity has is to get more and more people on the same page and moving in the same direction at the same time, at the right time. At the right time. Yeah. And um, there are there are forces in this wor- world, Pramrawat is one of those forces, that are working tirelessly to try to get people all pointed in the same direction. Yeah. See, what, what I recognize is one of the things that Pramrawat reveals to a person is uh, their own inner being. And it's practiced, uh, there's a practice that goes along with it to, you know, help you get in contact with that inner being. And it's like, so to have everybody in sync with that inner being, which is the same inner inner being that you have and the same inner being that you have, everybody has the same inner being. And so like we're on a, we're, we're dancing. So it's like if you go to a place where there's music and dancing, uh, the band is setting the beat. And so you don't have to dance with the next person, this person next to you. All you got to do is match your your rhythms with the band's rhythms, and you're automatically dancing with the person next to you who's setting their rhythms to the band rhythms. Yeah. So we all have this natural rhythm that's going on inside of us, and if we all get clinked into that rhythm... And we're living that. We just happen to be, you know, experiencing it. And it's it's something that that causes love to uh, be expressed through ourselves uh, in an easier fashion. And so, to have as many people possible all dance into that same beat, it with an intention behind it, mm. then that's when things can really start to move in a in a particular direction. So we need more drummers. No, we need more dancers. More dancers. Yeah, I like that. We've got enough drummers. Got enough drummers. We got to need more dancers that mm. that can dance to the rhythm that the drummer's pounding out. Hmm. Yeah, I like the sound of that. I hate dancing. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I've only danced really once in the way that you described, and I was real high. Really? I had taken some LSD. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the only person dancing in this field. There was no one else around. I'm not even sure if the band was still playing. Uh, yeah. It's actually the weekend that I met my beautiful wife. Same time. Wow. Yeah. As luck would have it, my mindless flailing about did not scare away this lady. I'm not sure that you saw it, though, so it's probably, probably a good thing. But, yeah, I don't remember it being freeing. I just remember suddenly coming to it and realizing, whoa. I'm standing in this field. There's nobody around. I'm the only one dancing. Dancing like a madman. Dancing like literally like a madman, I'm sure. 
But yeah, I, I've never felt, and I love music. I absolutely, my life would not be right without it, but I, I don't ever feel compelled to dance to it. It never, that's mm-hmm. never my reaction. If anything, I'd rather sit down and listen or watch a musician or listen to a singer. And I feel it. I feel something uh-huh. in music, but it's never the urge to dance. You know, yeah. maybe oh, tap a toe, yeah. snap my With finger. With me, if, if something... The song starts playing. That's got my natural rhythms to it. You're moving. My body just starts wiggling in time. That's, <laughs> that's great. Picking up on those rhythms yeah. and I love that. Getting it. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what, where that comes from. Like why, why do we have such different reactions to music? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've I've got some theories. But... I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has to do with. Um, Our, everybody has a natural rhythm that's and it's oh jeez there's there's a there's a there's an overall spirit that the, a, the great spirit that encompasses everything and then that spirit is broken into little parts little sections uh, the typical word for that is a soul mm. and this soul is yellow, this soul is blue, that soul is red, this soul is green. They're all beautiful. And they can go together. They, they, they can blend, like different colors blend together and they, they make a greater creation because the differences are blending in a particular way to make this beautiful design. So I have a particular rhythm. We'll just call it blue because I like rock and blues. When that rhythm is being expressed outwardly by this rock and blues band, there's something in me that just starts moving. It starts, it's resonating with it. And it's, it's partly has to do with the, uh, where I was brought up, where I was raised and what the prevalent music was. Uh, there, that plays a part, but not necessarily, you know, the biggest part. Because I grew up in Detroit. Motown was big when mm-hmm. I was growing up. All my buddies loved Motown. Mm-hmm. I never got into it. Mm-hmm. It just, it just never hit me. And I thought there was maybe something wrong with me or something. But I eventually talked myself into saying, "Yeah, Motown's it. Motown's the only thing that's happening." And the Beach Boys, uh, they're yeah, they're good, but it's it's not the happening rhythms, you know. Right. But when I got out of it and you know, got away to the Air Force, and I got exposed to different people who liked, who genuinely liked the same kind of music that I liked with the same rhythm, I found out that well, I'm not weird. It's just, just I, mean, I didn't explain it, you know, in terms of you know rhythms and colors and souls and everything right. like that. All I knew was there was a my my like was of this particular kind of rhythm was valid, mm. you know? And I mean, that was a great life lesson in learning that I could be talked into thinking that I liked something that I didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't seem like so, the kind of guy who does that anymore. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. You are very much to keep with this analogy, marching to the beat of your own, Yeah, your own drummer. Yeah. So this, uh, the Maharaji, well, Prim Prim Rawat. Rawat. Yeah. Uh, 
are you still kind of in, um, not necessarily contact, but are you in communion with that, that spiritual yeah, community yeah, still? I'm like, I mean, I don't, I don't practice as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. I do other types of meditation as well as the one that, well, he doesn't really call it meditation. He calls it practicing knowledge. And there's a lot of similarities, you know, outward similarities. If you saw somebody practicing knowledge, you would say, well, they're meditating, mm-hmm. you know, but he says it's not meditation. It's something else and and i don't really totally understand that because it seems like meditation to me (laughs) and but i practice other things and um uh i i'll go if he's doing an event you know i like to go yeah you know it was within 500,000 miles you know i'll fly there to to go do it yeah and and i consider a great joy and a great honor that i'm i'm part of his technical crew yeah you know and that, so i get a call every once in a while gary can you come and help out with the sound yeah you know, fuck yes because <laughs> i love it yeah i love i love going there and doing it you know i would if somebody called me and said well could you help and come and clean toilets i wouldn't be so into yeah, it yeah you're you back know? <laughs> the surrender <laughs> has surrendered this yeah, <laughs> limits uh but but this is my craft yeah. And, and I just love doing sound. Yeah. And playing with all these great toys. Yeah. So when, whenever I get a call to, if, if I can come and help, I will do it. Yeah. I'll be there. So your, your job now, switching, speaking of switching gears, you're working for the university doing, um, what's the name of the, it's like a, a hall, right? You're part it's of the Davis music. Concert Hall. Yeah. It's a, it's a premier uh, music venue in Fairbanks. Yeah. So you get a lot of different stuff coming through. I mean, it could be African drumming, it could be a symphony orchestra, it could be yeah, you name it. yeah, yeah. Many many different things have happened on that stage. Yeah, that's pretty great. And yeah. you don't get a chance to dance to it. You gotta no. You gotta <laughs> s- sit back there and make sure all the dials are in the right place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, uh, I'll get to be an audience participant. Yeah, you've got people under your tutelage, right? You're meant to be teaching kids how yeah. to do. You know, these sorts of things, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but like not for not be, for being at the soundboard. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the only one that can do particular ones. Like, but I remember this one event in particular was a jazz fest we were having. It was like all these students from the schools in the state, they came and we had all these great jazz musicians. They mm-hmm. came and they were tutoring the kids and everything. Cool. And then the, the, the musicians, the invited ones, and, and the faculty, uh, they they had a performance oh, cool. that they would do one night. And this one particular one was just so outrageous. And and I got to get out of my sound man role. And I was telling people, it was like one of the few times in my experience of doing this, that I got to be the sound man and an active audience yeah. participant. Because everything was all dialed in. I didn't touch anything. Yeah. So I was at the soundboard dancing. That's great. So you're <laughs> along with everybody else. Coworkers got to see a little bit of the yeah, the shimmy and the shake. Yep, that's great, man. I love my job. Yeah, I love your job. It sounds pretty fun, and yeah. it seems like it suits you perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly. It's not particularly stressful. No. Nope. I imagine there are things that can be stressful, but like overall, it's not a stressful position. No. Nope. Yeah. Well, man, I'm so. I'm enamored of the life that you've set up for yourself here you and your wife oh maybe it'll help me appreciate a little bit more <laughs> yeah, man, i mean 
we're it's just nice for us to go inside a home you know it was cool last night to hang out with you inside and just sort of see we've got space for six dogs four of them that are still figuring out where to put their shit and their food and <laughs> Yeah, that's they, they don't have a problem where they put it. Yeah, it's you have <laughs> that's the problem where they put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, it's it's amazing. I mean you got to, it's really cool. I got to meet your brother. Got to meet your uh, your great nephew. It's really cool. Um, and I'm just very very grateful to have met you, man. Yeah, because when I first heard that, when I was listening to Chris Ryan, you know yeah. the story. He said because you were you were guest on his show. And, <laughs> And he says to his audience, well, if anybody lives like in Fairbanks or anywhere else around Alaska, these guys are coming up, you know, you can, this is how you can get in contact. And if you got a space in your driveway or something, I went, that's me. (laughs) And almost exactly three months later, here we are. Has it been three months? Yeah. Yeah. That was like May 2nd or 3rd. And here we are. Yeah. In your damn driveway. (laughs) Asking you dumb questions. (laughs) No, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I was born to be a rolling song. Born to be a rolling song. Moving round without a home rolling stone. I rented a house in Dallas. Still been a living in Dallas, but I heard a whistle blow, and I was born to be a Rolling Stone, born to be a Rolling Stone. Hi, Tiffany here, saying thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An about tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a van build tab detailing how we did our van conversion. A journal tab and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. You're stone, moving without a home.